I just got one thing to say. Woo! Man, what, what an awesome worship. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well today. It's been a great day, and you probably would imagine this is true already, but man, pastors on Easter morning, I mean, we're just like on fire stoked, like ready, let's do this, don't even need coffee, but we drink it anyway, we wake up, it's like there's going to be a UFC fight, we can't wait to watch it, it's kind of one of those moods, you know, so I get here early this morning, and you know, one of my jobs is to kind of make sure the screens and the other building work, because you may not know this, I think Missy might have mentioned this, but we were live streaming over into the other building for Grove Kids, all of the service, until this point, actually, they decide, you know, once Bill gets up, let's cut it. You know, we want to do something different with the kids. I don't know what's going on there, but, but we wanted them to have that opportunity to, to sing the same songs and to partake in the Lord's Supper as well, like we did. Uh, so I went over there to make sure that we could have all that working. And what's, what are the odds that two different computers on two different ends of, the, of a building, both of the, the mice, the mouse that... You're supposed to move the little pointer with, they just are dead and not even working. So I said, not today, Satan. I'm going to change the batteries in that one, charge that one. I walk over here in this building, I go down that hall, and I've not seen a bug like a bug I saw in the hallway there. It was the weirdest looking, very slow moving. He was on his last leg. I said, not today, Satan. <laughs> so we're done. This ain't happening today. We're not doing this. Later on today, when I get that mashed potatoes in front of me, I'm going to say, not today, Satan, and eat it all right there. That's the kind of day this is, all right? So I wanted to ask you this. Did you know that in that first Easter that actually three men were crucified? Interestingly enough, two of those men, they were criminals, two criminals, now, we don't know what their crimes were, although you might find in some English translations they may be called two thieves. That's not too inaccurate because a crucifixion, as you might imagine, was a very, very excruciating. It's actually where we get the word excruciate. It's got the word cross in the middle there. They couldn't think of a word for horrible pain, so they took the cross and made the word excruciating. They didn't just do that to punish the criminal. They wanted everyone to be able to see it well. So that whatever crime was committed, the people who saw those bodies hanging there would say, well, I ain't doing what that person did. And the Roman government was known to do this for a thief, a burglar, someone who was stealing from them. We'll show what happens when you steal from Caesar. We'll show you what happens. So yeah, they probably were thieves. We don't know for sure. I kind of wondered what it must have been like when they knew their day was coming. They knew their number was up that day. And when they walk out, and I don't know if you noticed an old song that my wife played during the, the Lord's Supper, but it's a song called Via Dolorosa. It means the road of suffering or the way of suffering. and The road that they had to walk to go to Golgotha where they were crucified. I wonder once they started out on that road if they were surprised to see a third man. In, in a moment when I read to you this passage of Scripture, they, unless they just didn't recognize him, which was possible because of the kind of beating Jesus took before he was crucified, the Bible describes him as unrecognizable. So maybe they didn't recognize him at first, but ultimately they knew who this man was. His reputation had preceded him. But how surprised they might have been. They knew their number was up. Who's this third guy? 
You know, Jesus' trial was done while everyone else was sleeping. It was rushed. It was hidden to try to maybe avoid a, a mob mentality that may cause the, 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 the outcome that the Pharisees and the religious leaders wanted to happen. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. They did everything they could. They even placated to the Roman government because they had no authority to crucify anyone. That was the Romans' deal. That wasn't the Jewish people's deal. They had to convince the Roman government this man needed to die. So they made it happen. And there these men were, walking down the Via Dolorosa. Ultimately, each and every one of these three people had their feet and hands nailed to a piece of wood, run up on a pole for everyone to see. They had a three-way conversation that day. And I want to read it for you in Luke 23, starting in verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, talking about Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I used to think, and maybe you've thought this before, I used to think for the longest time, it's so easy to believe in Jesus. I mean, it's so easy. And I would go further and say, especially if you know you're about to die and he's right there. I mean, he's right there. <laughs> and this is proof that it's not as easy as maybe, especially if you are a believer and follower of Jesus, hear me, it's not that easy. And the older I've gotten and the more people I've met, I'm more and more amazed as though it seems easy to me. It's really not. It's really a step of faith. It's a God thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a, it's a something that is above your power to be able to even be in a moment where you could choose to believe in this Jesus. Otherwise, what I just read to you makes no sense. Who would, would you not at least just fake it or something if you're about to die and he's right there? But, but he didn't. He couldn't do it. And I would submit to you today on Easter Sunday 2021 that each single one of us, every single person in this room, every single person on this planet, we are one of these two criminals. We're one of these two. What we see in their story, this true story of what happened to them, what we see are two very unique, different, opposing responses to Jesus. When you look at the first one, he went down with his last breath questioning Jesus. At best, he was just doubting, which we all do at times. At worst, he was actually mocking. You know, we can't read the tone. If you are the Christ, whatever, I don't know. But he used his final remaining breaths for those words. He went down asking Jesus to prove himself. And to prove himself by ending their execution somehow. 
And then you have this second criminal. He used his remaining breaths differently. He used it to confront his fellow criminal. Don't you fear God? To own his own guilt. We are receiving our just reward for our deeds. And then he used some of his remaining breath to simply ask Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. I'm going to break this down for you in bullet point form. It's pretty cool when you look at it and lay it all out. Here are the two different responses to Jesus that each and every one of us have to choose between. First, questioning God versus questioning yourself. In other words, when you look at the very quotes of these men, one said, are you not the Christ? But the other one said, do you not fear God, talking to another human being? I believe so many people don't get past this point. Maybe they believe that maybe there's something about Jesus that reigns true and the Bible that reigns true and the things they've heard reigns true. But at the end of the day, all they find themselves ever doing is just questioning God. When maybe what if they started questioning themselves and looking at who I am and how much I desperately need. Maybe, maybe he did this for me. Second dichotomy that exists between these two criminals and the two different responses we can have is pride versus penitence. One criminal in his pride basically said, you prove it. You prove it to me right now. Show me, are you the Christ? Whereas the other criminal said, I own it. I own my stuff. I deserve to be on this cross. This man doesn't. There's a different response. And then there was a third dichotomy. Temporal versus eternal. And this is subtle, but so powerful. Because one criminal basically said, help me now. If you are the Christ, get us off this cross right now into my current circumstances. But the other criminal said, help me forever. Of all the things he asked, you know, what if he would have said at the end, now get me off this cross? It was like, I'm buttering Jesus up. Like, how dare you talk to him like that? We deserve to be on here. He doesn't. Now save me then. <laughs> get me off the cross because I was nicer than that guy. That's not what he said. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's futuristic. He understood somehow by the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life that this man had a kingdom that went beyond planet Earth, that went beyond our current lives, that went beyond the physical. Not too many people got that. Now, these two men weren't the only ones to speak. Jesus chimes in last. And before I talk about what he said, let me just once again pause, and you probably have heard this by now. If, in case you have, I don't want to assume that you don't know this because I went years not knowing this. I always assumed that the cause of death from a crucifixion was blood loss. I mean, they nail a guy with his hands and feet on a cross. But that's not the cause of death. It's, a lot has been written about it. Scientific people, not just you know, people that think it's cool to write things. He died. These men died suffocating. They died of asphyxiation. One of the most painful things to do while dying on a cross is to breathe. 
in order to even inhale, you have to push up with your feet to expand your diaphragm so that you can take some air in, probably while blood and fluid is actually feeling that area. Now, I can do that right now because I got two feet on a firm floor. These men had to do it by pushing against a nail driven through their feet. And that's just breathing. We're not even talking about talking with those very breaths. So after these men said their peace, Jesus said one sentence, and it's powerful. Truly, I say to you, which that's a phrase that it's, it's a little bit before our time. We typically don't use words like that, do we? And Jesus said this quite a few times. It's written in Scripture. And it's basically him saying, this is, take it to the bank, guaranteed, irrefutable truth. I'm going to try to work that phrase in sometime today just to mess with my family. Truly, I say to you, these deviled eggs are good. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> See if I can creep them out a little bit. Truly, I say to you, and, 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 and what he says next, this thing is so true. You could take it to the bank. It's guaranteed. It's irrefutable. Today, you will be with me in paradise, which was a synonym for heaven, this kingdom that this criminal asked about. Now, get this. You know, you, you get used to things that are spoken about in the Bible and you don't think a whole lot about them until you read them again. And then every now and then, God shows you something you haven't seen before and it is mind-blowing. And I had this happen this past week and I want to share it with you. I mean, I want to put it on the screen for you. Here's what came to my mind. Do you realize, based on this irrefutable truth that Jesus spoke on the cross to this man, that the criminal saw the risen Jesus before Jesus rose. He did. He saw him that day. After Jesus died, he saw him that day. He saw him before Peter and John and the Marys. And based on the songs that we just sang, the criminal ran out of his grave right before he was buried. Man. Because what we're talking about here, friends, is life in Christ, eternal life in Christ, a resurrected life. That's the kind of life that Jesus died on the cross and stepped out of his grave for you and I to live. Now, it used to kind of bother me just a little bit that this criminal got into paradise by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> you know, just a little bit, like... You almost don't even really think much about like he's not really necessarily one I list as a hero of the faith, right? It just, you know, he, he, man, Hail Mary passed at the end, barely got in, you know? Now, Jesus talked about this. He told this story, which I remember in my early years of walking with Christ, I was like, I still don't think I like that. I don't like what Jesus is saying there, but he tells this story about a guy who owned a vineyard. And he hired people to work the vineyard for a day. And he hired, him at, hired them at four different points of the day. He hired some at the very beginning at sunrise. And then he hired more three other points of the day, like a, fir, a first shift, a second shift, a third shift, and a fourth shift. At the end of the whole work day, they all go get their payday for that day to get their denarius, which was a day's wage. 
And would you, would you believe that the owner of that vineyard paid every one of those people the same? Even the ones who barely worked at the end of the day. They barely worked. Could you imagine what that must have felt like for the guy that got there at old dark 30 to start working in that vineyard? It's not fair, is it? What possible moral could be received from Jesus from this story? And in true Jesus fashion, you know what he said the moral is? Basically, he said, the vineyard owner can do whatever he's thinking wants to. One. That's what he said. And then the second thing he said was, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And do you know I've heard that and read that over and over, and I'm still figuring out all the things that that even means. But today, as we look at these two criminals, we get a perfect example of it. (laughs) This man who barely gets into heaven right before he dies was the first one to see the risen Jesus. God has an amazing sense of humor. His ways are not our way. And, and, And here's another thing. When you look at that second criminal, remember this forever. It's not about how long you have believed It's about who you believe in. Because if that were not true, you know what Jesus would have said to that criminal? He he would have said something like, man, good try. I appreciate the last-ditch effort, but your life stunk. You lived a life of crime. So I'm sorry, but it's a no-go here. And you know what? If that's the case, we would all be in big trouble. Because on your best, get up in the morning, put on some nicer clothes, attend church on Easter Sunday day, you are still, and I am still, completely, utterly hopeless apart from what Jesus did on that cross. And that's why it makes absolute, complete sense to God that that criminal gets the same exact result as Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and any holy person that did amazing things in their life that you can think of, same wage at the end. It's the same grace, same God, same cross, same blood, same resurrection, and same salvation for every single one of us if you just believe, which is hard. And that's why I want to close by asking you a very pointed question. I spent... This is going to sound weird. Uh, Hopefully I do this with most things when I prepare a sermon. But I spent a lot of time thinking about how to write this question. Because I wanted to make sure it included everything that needed to be included. I hope I got it somewhat close to correct. Here's how I wrote it. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? And before I go over the rest of it, I used to think Christ was Jesus' last name. No kidding. I thought it was. But it's not. If you think that... Total grace, because I thought that too. Christ is a title. It means anointed one. It's a hat tip to the Messiahship talked about in the Old Testament, but it also literally means king. And so, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the king? That's why the second criminal, he got it. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom because you are ruler. You rule the universe. You rule our hearts. You rule our souls. Do you believe that that's Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again so that you can spend eternity with him? So that you could also, just like this criminal, be with him 
in paradise on the day you breathe your last breath. Friends, I don't believe we actually start living till we believe that. And if you're here today, if you're watching and listening online, and you've not yet had an opportunity to take a step of faith, I want to give you that opportunity right now. The greatest promise, in my opinion, in all of Scripture is Romans 10.13, where it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, if you're here today, you're watching, listening online, and you have yet to have your moment with Christ, where you hear Him whisper in your heart, you're going to spend forever with me. All you have to do is ask for it. So let's do that together right now. Will you bow with me as we pray? And and as I pray, I'm just going to voice kind of an example prayer that if you have yet to place your faith in Jesus, you can pray a prayer like this. There's no magic words here. These words aren't in the Bible that it says you have to pray. No, this is just you calling on him, asking for him to save you. And maybe that prayer would be something like this. Dear God, our Father in heaven, I come before you right now and I ask you the same question the criminal asks. Will you remember me when I breathe my last? I ask you to save me, to forgive me of my sins, and to make me your child. I want to live the rest of my days with this hope, knowing that no matter how long I live on this earth, I'm going to be with you forever, God. Thank you for making it possible by sending your own son. You did not withhold him from us. You put on human flesh and dwelt among us and submitted himself to death, even death on a cross, so that I could live. And for that, we will thank you with our words, with our songs, with our lives for the rest of our days. The Lord, we love you. And we pray all this in that name of Jesus, our King. Amen. And listen, whether you're online, watching or listening, or you're here in this room, I want you to know that if you prayed and asked Him to save you, you are living the resurrected life right here, right now, and forevermore. It is a glorious life. Oh, you're going to have some doubts. You're going to have some stumbles. You're going to make some, some mistakes. But the Lord will be your shepherd for the rest of your days. He will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. You have no reason to fear. He will comfort you. He will use your life to bless everyone around you as He shines His glory in you and through you. So in this moment, I want you to do me a favor. We all carry around these rectangles all the time. And I know if you've been worshiping with us recently, you hear me ask you to get your phones out quite often. I want to give you an opportunity to respond and to let us know what step you may have taken with Christ today. If you prayed and asked Him to save you, simply text the word SAVE to our church number, which is 859-356-3162. We want to celebrate that. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. 
perhaps you've done that before, but something about today, you needed it. Like you really needed it to get you back on track, to to refocus your life and your eyes on Christ. If that's you, we want to pray for you as you begin a new chapter with Christ. Text the word comeback to that same number so that we can be doing that. Lastly, if you didn't need to take those steps, but man, you're following Jesus, you love him. I want you to know this. As long as you're breathing God's good air, he has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And it's not to just enjoy life for yourself. It's actually to use you to bless other people and help them to also know him. If you would like to do that, we would love to help you do that. In order to do that, just text the word serve to that same number, okay? And while you're doing that response, I invite you who are in this room to stand to your feet. We want to sing one more song of worship before we are dismissed. Let's sing and let's praise the one who is our living hope.